Welcome to the Vital MX post race show Daytona edition presented by our friends at Decal Works. As usual, I'm your host, Lewis Phillips, joined by Michael Lindsay. And over the next hour and a half, we'll be breaking down everything that happened at Daytona. And there is actually a lot to get to. There's some numbers to get to, there's some opinions to get to. There's, I have another um topic that i'd like to raise at the end once the serious stuff is out of the way because once again i am disgruntled with my co-host but we'll get there uh we'll get there in about 80 minutes for now let's talk daytona with michael Lindsay. how's it going hello 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 i'm here okay that didn't answer my question of how's it going oh it's going all right i'm i'm here i'm chatting with you about racing you have disgruntled opinions about me yep and i'm ready to hear them Yep. Well, you'll get. We'll get there in eighty minutes. First, uh, we've got to talk Daytona. And oh, that's right. That's what this podcast is actually about: reviewing races. Yes, I do feel like there might be some legs in like a thirty-minute podcast every week. That's just like topics. But I don't know. Maybe we'll get there. Um, Daytona. <laughs> you mean by to- disgruntled topics by your yes. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Daytona. Now. Let's, you know, we're a minute into this, but let's just get straight into it. I have gotten some heat based off on this podcast for Tomac. People think I'm a Tomac hater, which I'm surprised by, to be honest. Shocked and alarmed that this is this is how I'm being perceived. But I may dig myself deeper into that hole here. And I've been thinking about this. Do I want to go down this road or do I not want to go down this road? And I'm going to go down this road. Tomac won Daytona, his seventh Daytona win, 49th win of his career. I'm surprised he did it because I don't... Once again, it was a clutch ride because there were holes in his game. Agreed? Yeah, just with the whoops. The rest of the segments were good, but the whoops segment No, but was even, even uh, times qualifying, even the heat race, he won his heat race, but his times were not competitive with yeah. the guys in the second heat. Um, like, there there were holes in his game, and I feel like it was it was very much 50-50 whether him or Webb were going to win. It wasn't a Tomac-dominant Daytona. Well, I think interesting coming into it, um, when I was doing press day, talking to Coop, like, there was a certain fired up you know, he certain fired upness about him when it comes to this race. Like I kind of made the joke like, oh, you know, Eli's playground. And, you know, I, and I did mention that he had come close last year, but he mentioned like how good he is always here. And you could see how fired up he was, you know, in the way he termed that he wanted to go for the win and talking to a few guys around him. I heard that has like been his focus. He's never won at Daytona. He likes Daytona and he really wants to have that, um, you know, to go down with his career, of course, beating Eli's hard there when he's uh, six wins deep at this point. Um, so Cooper was definitely heavily, heavily motivated coming in this weekend. And I will agree after kind of hearing where he was at, seeing where he was at with qualifying and his heat race and kind of seeing how the first heat race went down with with Eli. I definitely wasn't wasn't sold on it coming into the main. I think Coop had a, a great chance, which, of course, they did uh, battle it out. But I, I definitely, uh, you know, Coop, Coop showed early that he really wanted to get it done. You mentioned uh, the whoops and allow me to now go into a long old spiel about the whoops. The title of this podcast should be something like whoops. We did it again. Um, the whoops. Tomac was struggling in the whoops from from times qualifying, honestly. Um, but there is a bit of a pattern here. So the first the first timed session, I believe he was third in the whoop segment. And there, once again, there was a segment from the very first whoop to the very last whoop. So a real accurate picture. Um, 
he was third in the whoops in the first segment. And then after that, he lost it. He was seventh, I think, in the second segment. And then it got even worse in the main event. So I wonder, that leads me to question, first of all, um, if the, he was struggling with bike setup in the first time session and he had to sacrifice for whoops to find some comfort on other parts of the track. Thoughts? Potentially. Uh, and in whatever it is, it definitely played out. Really weird one with the main. So even in the main, I believe he was only 12 fastest in that whoop segment. However, as we saw, he went jump line first lap. Well, the guys that all. Sorry, well, I need this before we get into that. So skimming was those were not jump whoops. They were skim. No, they were skim whoops. Skim was faster because again, you're the ones you're going off of, like especially in in both the heat and the main, but particularly the main when we compare those times. Not all of them, but the vast majority of times you see that are a big difference from Eli's up to a second different that segment are all skim laps because Chase was still skimming early. Webs first three or four laps were skim which is where his best lap time came anderson and barsha were skimming a ton they kept going outside um a lot of riders i talked to a few different riders about it and they said they knew that jumping was slower they just said that the inside line was so good and the whoops got so consistent to jump where with the rain they were starting to get slick that that's why so many guys defaulted to jump line nobody said it was faster i question whether they knew it was that much slower though because on average across 250s and 450s amongst the top guys skimming was at at the lowest eight tenths quicker and at points like 1.2 seconds quicker um and yeah like you say sexton started skimming on lap three uh web started skimming on lap six tomac jumped from the start so let it's safe to presume that tomac after the heat race hmm? you mean chase started jumping on lap four and, and web lap six you said skimming Oh, did I? Yeah, Chase started yeah. skimming on lap three. Web started... No, wait, what? Wait, what did I say? You've confused they, me now. You Web... said they started skimming okay. on those laps. Chase started, started jumping on lap three. There Web started jumping on lap six. Tomac started yep. jumping on lap one. So safe to presume that Tomac knew that after the heat race, he was screwed in the whoops and it's better to just play it safe from the very beginning and make up the time elsewhere. Correct? Oh, it's obvious. Um, I think so. And also that inside line hadn't been there. It developed towards the end of the heat race. I know the 250 guys said they didn't even notice it till partway into the race. And I'm sure Eli saw it on the parade, either from the 250 race, they got the information or, you know, they or told them to look for it. Um, because again, I think it took a couple riders. I heard a few riders say they didn't even notice the inside till somebody else would take it near them going into the whoops. They didn't realize how good that inside line was. Because uh, the outside before the whoops, the berm over the top was kind of blown off. You couldn't really rail it. You had to straight up square up the berm and go down. Um, you really couldn't carry your momentum around it. The only thing that got you was a big, long, straight run into it. The inside actually flowed and rolled really well into that first jump. I wonder I wonder if on lap three, when Chase started jumping, if he realized that Eli was jumping and thought to himself, well, hang on. I trust Eli's racer IQ. And if he's jumping, he must know something that I'm not. So therefore, he just defaulted to jumping, presuming that Eli was onto something without actually maybe realizing that he was gaining a second a lap in the whoops alone just by skimming. Like, I wonder, I wonder if it was almost like, like I say, it's hard to kind of explain, but I wonder if it was a case of rather than Chase and well, Cooper's different. I wonder if it was a case of Chase going, instead of Chase going, I need to jump, that's better. Him going, well, Eli's doing it, so clearly that's the way to go. Because the, the Chase, um, Chase, Chase 
skimmed on laps one and two, jumped on laps three and four, then went back to skimming on lap five and immediately went back to skimming on lap five and immediately pulled back that second that he was losing while jumping. One, I don't know. I don't know how much it shows up on TV. It wasn't raining terribly hard, but it was raining enough consistently after the 250 ended into the 450. That was the one section on the track that was slick. Everybody else said the rain actually almost helped the rest of the track, except for the whoops. The whoops were really slick. Just going back to Chase, I remember watching him in his heat race, and he kind of had the same situation we've seen with him lately as the rear end was dancing a lot. I didn't want where we don't have a great view for uh, media. Uh, Daytona, I didn't get to watch his whoop passes. I was wandering kind of around different sections of the track. I don't know if that's also the case, if he had some dancing moments, but I felt like when I was over there early in the race, the couple guys I saw go through that switched from a skim to a jump, you could definitely tell the skim was fast, but a lot of guys would skim a couple laps and then have a really big moment. And they say the rain, the rain still was coming down at that point. So I'm guessing the default for a lot of them is this is just going to get worse. From what Everybody's I remember, jumping, jumping is safer. I'm just going to go to jump because at some point I'm going to toss it. From what I remember, I remember Chase had one sketchy moment in the whoops, but I think that was in the heat. I think when he was skimming. I think in the main, he only skimmed three on three of the 17 laps or whatever it was. But I, from what I remember, I think those three skims were um, fairly solid and safe. From what I remember. I do remember there being one near crash, but I be- I'm 99% certain that was in the heat. Not the main one or one or two oddballs that literally skimmed. I felt like the entire main, maybe I don't know about say like the last three or four laps. Um, Roxon skimmed every lap I was over there. Uh, Anderson skimmed almost every lap I was there. And then Barsha was doing it a ton, like way later in the race than most of the other guys in the field. Um, I noticed that even once they started jumping, Chase was faster than Webb and Tomac on jumping. So I went back and watched way too many way too many laps of them going through whoops um yeah way too many and what i noticed was whereas tomac and webb were going to that very inside line that you were referencing earlier sexton was using like a a rut that was just one to the outside of that inside rut but really shallow um and i think that is where he gained his time jumping through the whoops because Again, was wasn't getting, so deep. Was he getting onto a different? Was he getting onto a different jump rhythm, or was no? He so exact... same, same jump rhythm, but it was just a, it looked like a lovely rut, lovely clean rut, a little for a tiny little bit further to the outside, so maybe a nicer run into the whoops, carry more pace through uh, into the section and through the section. Um, and that's 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 the only thing I can point to as to why he was faster jumping than the other two. I mean, it doesn't really matter. We're talking about a difference of a rut here, but just observations. Keen eye. Keen if eye. It, if it's down to chase, I know you have analyzed every rut to tell us what's Keen going eye. On. I like that rut. That was a great... And you know what? While you while you bring it up, um, people say that chase needs to get better at maybe changing his lines in the race and, you know, spotting things. I feel like that's quite a good spot because when I... Again, when I went... I noticed there was a pattern of him being faster jumping. So I was like, I need to try and figure this out went back and when i noticed him go to that rut i was like that's actually that looks like a really nice rut like, that's quite a good idea actually smart what a smart guy um just genius um anyway i <laughs> think that's enough whoop talk jesus um but it is so shocking about the actual riders it is shocking just how far how just how much faster skimming was because i feel like there's never a, that big a difference um of a second and it was the same in 250s as we say but we'll get to that 
Um, but no, I think a clutch ride for Tomac. And I think I think that's the best way to describe his last three wins. Uh, just clutch performances. Houston was a clutch performance. Oakland kind of was. Okay, that was more handed to him. But still, clutch to be there when it counted. Um, these aren't dominant wins. These aren't powerful wins. But these are... These are these are powerful wins in the sense of getting it done when maybe the cards are stacked against him. Yeah, executing when the time is right. And I think when it comes to both Eli and Cooper, that is that's something of course Cooper is more well known for, but Eli here towards the the tail end of his career is getting to that point. Um yeah, just is getting it done when it counts. Not Eli of old, it's not these huge dominant rides anymore. It's just getting it done when it needs to be done. Um, really interesting speaking to both. Well, I got to speak to Cooper directly. I got to speak to a few people that spoke to Eli. Um, both of them very similar sentiments. They absolutely said they buried themselves in this race. They said it was a 20 plus one sprint. Um, Cooper again, wanted to win so bad. He was very uncharacteristic with getting out there early and making a move early. He wanted to sprint, wanted to get away from Eli. You could tell the first like two laps or so after, um, Coop took over the lead there right after the start that it seemed like Eli was going to settle in, but I think he realized that Coop was going to go ahead and just keep sprinting. He picked up his pace and (laughs) really, like I said, the entire race, those two were just giving it everything. Um, Coop after the race basically pulled off instead of going to the stage, he was over by camera, just kind of, you know, the usual hacking up a little bit of stuff and just the the look on his face was, was pretty brutal. Um, my comment to him afterwards was basically, did you take a trip to the hurt locker? And he said he did. He said that he, he gave it everything, um, especially coming down last like three laps when he saw them, the mistake that Eli made coming over the bridge. But again, the other sentiment is everything I heard from Eli's camp was that he said it was a complete sprint from start to finish. If Webb hadn't hit neutral, does he win? <sighs> I, I don't know. That one's tough between those two. Cause I think again, they both wanted it so bad I need I an answer. Eli would have tried to. I can't answer it. I can't give you a yes or no. What does your heart I say? I'm going to say Eli would have got it done still. I think Webb would have got it done purely because I it wasn't, well, a normal Daytona. It wasn't great for passing. So I feel like unless the door was opened, there wasn't really a somewhere that it was going to be done kind of thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll never know. One of life's great, unan- great unanswered questions. Um, considering how close it, actually, first of all, what we were saying about Tomac. Tomac is now Ryan Dungey. That is, that is now who he is. Welcome and, to Diesel 2.0. And Sexton is what Tomac was <laughs> when Ryan Dungey was around. <laughs> um, um, speaking of Dungey, when you say now that Tomac has won five of the first eight rounds, that sounds dominant. Like Just that sentence, without, without context, winner of five of the first eight rounds sounds quite dominant. Um, and that actually hasn't happened since Dungey in 2016. So it is. this is kind of rare for a rider to win that much at the beginning of the season. So again, maybe we're not giving him enough credit for what he's done. I don't know. It's very confusing because the numbers are saying one thing. The results are saying one thing. The eye test is saying one thing. And like very hard to get a grip on what the hell is actually happening in this series. I can't remember whose who stats... I saw on this and maybe you can answer this is I think part of it is not only, you know, again, Eli's getting these, he's got the most wins already, the five out of eight, but have we also, when was the last time we had three riders this close in points that have all scored? Uh, there was something about like the max percentage of points you can score and how much the three of them had done. And it hasn't been done 
Has it not been done since Reed Ricky Stewart days? Or? Well, this is the, heading into Daytona. It was the closest that free riders have ever been in the history of Supercross. If that's what you're talking about, that might have been it. I think it might have been Fowler's or somebody. And it also, yeah, it showed that, and then the percentage of capable points you have, and how high their percentage was. Yeah, I never saw that. I don't know where. Seasons. I don't know where you got that from, but I've never heard or seen that anywhere. Um, back to Webb. Considering how close he was to Tomac and how good his speed was. Very surprised to see that his fastest lap time was seven tenths slower than Tomac and also slower than Justin Cooper, Justin Barsha, Jason Anderson. Sexton, not a surprise. Tomac, not a surprise. But um, yeah, like again, he looked amazing and his speed was clearly competitive with Tomac. Yet you look at the lap times and he was seven tenths slower at peak performance. I guess that doesn't, it, 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 one part does, but the other part doesn't shock me. Again, Cooper, sometimes it's just not the most outright. It's just how he could keep repeating it lap after lap. And even at the end, I went back and looked at some of the lap time charts and, you know, you get to the bottom five laps and the amount of fall off you see with everybody else, where there's a point where Eli and Cooper get back almost to their beginning of the race times for a couple laps. Like they really put themselves back in, into that pace late in the race and not many other people in the field were well, really anywhere close to doing that. Yeah, one that sticks out for me is lap 14. So pr- I think it was a 17-lap race, so very late. Yep. Uh, lap 14, Tomac set a time that was faster than Webb's best lap. and I, So that was kind of, that's the point I look at was Tomac was like, Tomac kind of finished this thing, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, great ride, great ride. Um, championship percentages. Fun game that we do every week. <sighs> mm. <laughs> 35 Eli, 35 Webb. So that gives me 70. So yes. the remaining 30 to chase. Oh, well, at this point, I'm just going to go 33.3% Tomac, 33.3% oh. Webb, and 33.3% Sexton. Waffle, 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 waffle. Yeah, Daytona's, Daytona was, I don't know, Daytona was, Daytona just was like a great reset in my mind. Everyone was great. Like, well done, everyone. Right, let's see how this thing goes. I, Really? So our our next rider, you're you're saying did great. Um, before we get to that, um, <laughs> I have said this every single week, but once again, Indianapolis, huge for who's going to take a hold of this thing, huge for momentum, huge for someone to make a statement. Because also, let's not forget, we haven't had a repeat winner since Tomac at rounds one and two. So this is really just fluctuating week on week. No, I've been saying that the the last couple rounds. I asked the guys that even on press day, you know, how hard is it to get momentum going right now? Nobody is able to break away. Really, Eli's early season first rounds is really the only time we've seen somebody kind of back it up occasionally. It's every weekend just tossing back and forth. We'll go to Indy, very soft, very rutted. Um, Maybe an Eli or Coop track. I know Coop really likes Indianapolis. Um, So potentially he could bounce back again and once again just completely dispel any momentum that that Eli could carry from this race. Um, maybe a tough one for Chase, but then Detroit the weekend after is typically hard pack, which usually plays into Chase's hands. So what what if we just continue this on? Let's say Coop wins Indy and uh, Chase wins uh, Detroit, and we're just right back to where we've been for weeks now. Like, okay, which one of these guys is going to pull it off, you know, back to back and get us, get some points built out. Well, in an ideal world, what we need now is for in, in Indianapolis, we need it to be Chase, Coop, Eli and then in Detroit we need it to be Chase Coop Eli because then all three riders will be separated by a point 
So that's what we need. That's what we need to yeah, cheer for. But you're asking, <laughs> that's that's what you want cheer for. But in realistic, that's asking for Chase to back up to two rounds, which yeah, that's not never. That's not unrealistic. Either. It's not unrealistic, but negative likely slander i know slander <laughs> i mean let's it, it's not it but chase said it himself in his post race like he is struggling to execute when these other guys execute you're asking for him to go out and execute two times in a row in a clutch sit not a clutch situation it's not the end championship but you're asking him to put in two performances to bring this thing back in to execute yeah, I don't, really think, I, to, I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's out of the question. You you're sitting here and saying that Chase Exton winning the next two rounds is about as crazy as me saying that Mickey Mouse is going to win the next two rounds. Oh, it's God, really not that crazy. It's not that crazy, but it's not the what Eli winning the next two or Cooper winning the next two or them all splitting it is much more likely than him winning next. Of those options, it's the least likely of those. Okay. I'm not saying Slander. It's, like, it's not one percent. I'm not saying it's like this ungodly low chance. But if you told me, okay, are we gonna again? Let's say Coop wins Indy and Chase wins Detroit. That's actually almost the most likely to me. Um, if you told me Eli backs up one of these and Coop gets one, okay, doesn't surprise me, or vice versa. But if you told me that Chase was gonna go in and win the next two, that's the least likely of those scenarios to me. It would not be surprised. I would almost expect such greatness. Um, speaking of Chase. <laughs> Probably the third best rider on the night. Um, well, no, mm, was the third best Barsha. rider. No, no, no. Chase was the third best rider on the night. Um, Barsha, give me Barsha all day for third best guy of the night. Well, then, but but why wasn't why didn't Barsha beat him then? Ch actually, no. Oh wait, wait. How many times have you done Chase's best rider of the night when he didn't win? <laughs> no, but. I think you're overlooking the fact that Chase was going with Coop and Eli early. It was the two mistakes that kind of put him solidly in third and within range of Barsha. Before before the first mistake, Barsha wasn't close enough to try anything, and Chase was going with Eli and Coop. And the lap times even support said sentiment. Um, lap five, Chase 114.1, Eli 114.2. That was actually Chase's what best lap of the race, coincidentally. <laughs> say, or how much are we nitpicking here? Let's get a couple more laps. Let's get a full paint, uh, picture painted here for me, please. Well, what do you want? Uh, uh, lap four, uh, Eli 114.3, Chase 115 flat, six tenths. That's a closer gap than it was between Eli's fastest and Coop's fastest. Um, lap six, Eli 115.7, Chase 115.3. Four tenths quicker. Um... Yeah, I feel, no, I think you're disserving. What Dis would you say lap three? Barsha was also a 115.3. Well, Barsha had the fastest lap of the race. So Yeah, he also um, had a one four in his lap before was the one fourteen. Oh, he was the fastest guy on track the lap before that. He matched Chase basically the next lap, and then the next lap, fifteen point one to Chase's fifteen oh. So basically matching fourteen seven yeah, to um, fourteen. Speaking of Barsha having the fastest lap of the race, I thought I'd go and have a little look and see when the last time Barsha had the fastest lap of the race was. Weirdly, oh. Daytona last year. So Wait, what? Yeah, very, very weird. <laughs> um, huh. And he finished fifth that night, and he hasn't been on the podium at Daytona since his rookie year on a 450. So clearly, I don't know. You cannot tell me that Daytona is just Barsha's huh. place because it's been no. like... <laughs> 
<laughs> 10 years since he stood on the podium there, but somehow has he has one lap pace at Daytona. I don't know. Very confused. Um, very confused by that. Very, very confused. Um, no, uh, I think Chase was the third best rider on the night. Finished third. Obviously, he would have wanted more, and I can understand why he'd be frustrated, but I don't think it's anything... I don't think it's anything um, bad. Just on to Indianapolis. You? Uh, I I disagree slightly in the aspect of yet a night where those two just straight up again execute and got away with him. He didn't wasn't able to go with him. Wasn't able. He was but, able to but, follow with. Yeah, but, let me finish. Let me speak. He was able to go with them early. Made mistakes. Wasn't able to get back on him. Just didn't execute to go with them. But. You say another race where those two rode away from him. I don't think that's ever happened this season. No, not I didn't say another race or away. Another race where he didn't execute. Okay. With them running away I with think him your wording was slightly different, but okay. I'll accept the well, correction. Sorry, I'm trying to talk here because I got somebody who wants to interrupt me every three seconds to defend no, his just, man. It's just a slander. And just slander will not stand. Um, <laughs> man, no, yeah, uh, obviously, I think Indianapolis is a big weekend for Chase, whatever way you spin it, correct? Yeah. I think Indy, I mean, it's back to what we keep saying. It's like, okay, if can Cooper spawn? Can Eli carry it? Can Chase respond? It is going to be a big one. I think the next two in general. I, I feel like this rate, Indy and Detroit, will get to round 10 at that point, um, you know, really getting towards the tail, pointing towards the tail end of the season. But the next two have two very different materials back to back. I'd like to see how we get through both of them. But again, Indy will be interesting. Coop seems really really fired up about it chase needs to get back in front of these guys and again eli needs to show that he can uh back it up and actually build a little bit of points next uh next four rounds are actually really interesting because indy as you say is kind of unique soft going to be real east coast detroit should be quite hard seattle kind of you don't know what we're going to get at seattle but it should be soft and rutty yeah because even even if it doesn't rain just the dirt's so sad. I don't know if they keep it outdoors there or something, but even when it doesn't actually rain on the track, that place always just breaks down. That's like the classic. You look down the whoop section, it's a V-rut all the way to the base. And then Glendale, um, obviously hard pack West Coast, about as stereotypical West Coast track as you can get. So the next four rounds are... Like, if someone can find a way to consistently triumph at the next four rounds, that would be quite a statement because we are kind of going through the greatest variation that this series is going to see. Especially when you it's add not- in the fact that we just had Daytona. Yeah. It is nice to see, instead of being like, oh, we're on East, we're going to have four or five of these back-to-back rounds are really similar. It is very cool, especially with what's going on between our top three, to be bouncing back and forth each weekend. Especially when, again, I feel like between Chase definitely leans more towards hard pack than the other two. It gives a really an opportunity between them to to mix it up a little bit more. Um, it kind of makes you go into lean and go, oh, this could be this guy's night. You know, they have a chance. And with it swinging back forth every round, it gives us a great opportunity to just keep this battle going. Here's a good question. Out of the top three, who do you think has, who do you think has been disrespected the most? Out In the sense of from us, from fans, from pundits, from who, who out of the top three does not, has not, is not getting the respect that they deserve for what they've done through eight rounds? Because you could say Tomac because he's leading the championship. He's won five rounds and we're all talking about how this is so close. Webb is always disrespected. And you just slandered Chase. I feel like it's Webb going back to preseason. People thinking we, uh, between our previous show race, there were so many people that didn't even think he should be a part of this conversation. Um, And I still think across his races, 
we talk about Chase really good on certain nights. We talk about Eli really good on certain nights. I don't feel like Webb gets that um, very often. I think you can make a case for all of them. I think you can make a case for Chase because there is criticism towards towards uh, some of uh, some of his mistakes. Yep, coming from but you I mostly. Think, I think in general disrespect, I, I kind of lean towards Webb. Yeah, um, reason it just came to me is, is actually interesting because I feel like you can make an argument for any of them. There is a, yeah, I feel like there I is a level of disrespect for all of them. No, I, I agree with that. I think we, we downplay what all of them do and they're all doing great things right now. Um, again, we, we talk about where each of their weaknesses are. So some of them get pinpointed a little bit more. Um, Chase is still very young in this class. Um, he's going up against two insanely gnarly dudes. So, I mean, what he's doing right now, you have to respect. Um, what Coop continues to bounce back and do against what, you know, what everybody feels like is against all odds is amazing. And Eli, you know, being right on the verge of possibly pulling the plug and kind of, as we're seeing, almost change his his approach to things this year and getting it done. Like, so a little more Dungey-esque, maybe not as much Tomac-esque. Um, Barsha, as we mentioned, fourth, a great night for him. Kind of a another one of those nights that's in keeping with his season so far where the results don't tell you just how good he's done and, and is doing. Um, because fourth, I feel like, look at fourth, uh, you can kind of shrug your shoulders at that, but he was great and he did break the riders behind him and go more so with the top three, which no one has really done lately. Yeah, and I talked to him a little bit after the race. You know, we talked about the the two incidents, what's happened with chase. He didn't think that either were dirty. He was a little upset on the first one on, on chase on what he felt like was, he said, he goes, you know, he made a mistake, but he's like, I felt, you know, that he got squirrely. Um, he goes, it's a racing incident, whatever. But he did mention, he's like, I probably should have been more patient. But I said to him, like, you know, your pace was good. Were you thinking you could go with, with Eli and Cooper? And he goes, that's what I wanted to do. So he goes, I wasn't, he basically said that he wasn't probably as patient as he could have been. Because he really, I think, wanted to prove a point and get himself back in this kind of the conversation we've had with both in relation to both Justin and Jason the last couple of weeks is they need a ride to get themselves kind of back in the conversation. Jason sort of had that at the Triple Crown a little bit, but then didn't back it up this weekend. And of course, now Justin's, you know, trying to do the same thing. Uh, he's trying to get himself back in that conversation and try to kind of latch onto those guys a little bit and see if he can bring bring up his intensity as the season goes on. When we have talked about the next winner. We've talked about Anderson and Roxon. Do we need to put Barsha in that conversation? Um, That's a no. <laughs> it's, it's really tough. I still... Okay, this is going to sound... Man, I am about to completely contradict myself. There's a part of me that almost wants to say that Barsha is the fourth best... Has He's had a lot of moments, but I think at times like he has really shown that he is potentially the fourth best guy in this Agreed. championship even Jason, but then there's a part of me that for some reason wants to say, I still think Jason would be more likely of the two to win a race for some yeah. reason. Do you want to know so why that is? That's completely contradictory. <laughs> I think that's because the memories of last year still linger. And yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's still like influencing your thought process. But as you say, if you base it purely on what we've seen this year, I, I would probably argue that Barsha has been the fourth best rider. What's uh, crazy is with saying that he's sitting seventh in points still. Yeah, it's not Even been good as far weekend. as results go, but um, yeah, Close. funny I mean, little. He's three points off Aaron. He's five points behind uh, Kenny. Funny little Barsha um, thought process. We always give Webb a hard time for not being good at times qualifying. Has anyone looked at Barsha's timed qualifying results? 
Because I'm here to tell oh, aren't you. They, aren't they terribly up and down? He'll be oh, like 12 one no, week or something. Not even up and down. Just down. Um, <laughs> go, working in reverse order. 6th, 11th, 8th, 13th, 9th, 7th, 10th, 11th. Um, <laughs> the, first, the first eight rounds of last year. 10th, 13th, 13th, 9th, 11th, 8th, 9th, 11th. Like... I need to write this down because I feel like this has never been approached with him. But the data clearly tells me that Bam Bam, who I feel like we all think of as being this one lap, raw speed, flashy guy, for some reason, <laughs> does not have it in times qualifying ever. Weird. That's so odd. Weird. But, hey ho, there's a lot of weird things, I guess. In the world, uh, Anderson Fifth, he said that just bikes it up. He was never really comfortable with the track and was kind of chasing it in the main event and realized that um, he wasn't in a sweet spot, I guess. As, I mean, a fifth by Anderson standards of last year is disappointing, but by the standards of this year, fifth is okay. I mean, what? The best he was going to do is fourth, I guess. I don't know. Is that harsh? No, I don't think so. My My note for him is he was there. <laughs> wow that, <laughs> that is <made> sound hard. <laughs> wow. he was he was present wow your expectations <laughs> of anderson have gone downhill <laughs> was my, no just my note for daytona just it was an okay night you know nothing nothing's but i said struggled off last weekend it's a disappointment to not see him you know build off build off triple crown momentum it is what it is um justin cooper sixth much more in line with what we saw when he debuted in houston and finished seventh um hey, past roxon passed yeah he passed kenny he passed uh rj and he had to pass ap in the opening laps so what are we doing here is my question because is he done it's it's odd yeah he well okay so I guess we're weighing. He's posted something on social, like about. Yeah, I'm just pulling it. Uh, here we go. For news, um, because we all asked him. I know, me and we, everybody that did post race interviews asked him, "Is this the last one?" He's like, "Yeah." And we talked about was it a good experience? You know, what he learned? Was he taken away from it? That was all the conversation. Nothing was said that night that hey, we might be doing another race. You know, <laughs> we got RJ over here talking about doing Indy, um, but no, that Justin said the plan was to be back on the 250 at the beginning of this weekend, getting ready for outdoors, but. It says, such an awesome experience coming here in the 450 class. Loved it all day. Some changes coming this week. Unless he means some changes meaning going to the 250 for outdoors, unless he was just being that, like, basic in sense of, of that wasn't, it doesn't have maybe as much of a hidden meaning as it as we think it does, or it could. Yeah, I guess is maybe. It, would you say a 450, would that really changes? Like, it, you know, it's a change of plan, but it's not really change of what he's been doing. Maybe it just means it's some worked. changes coming this week, as in I'm riding a 250. Yeah. Oh, it's not as exciting, is it? No. Maybe we should just stick with it. Nope, nope, nope. He's. Well, I think he's showing up to Indy. Okay. I um. I I don't understand. I don't understand why he's so obsessed with this 250 outdoor title. It's. I think it's partially. It's partially, him, but it's also partially. I mean, star. I mean, they weren't going to hire him to race a 450 this year. They want him to win a 250F. That's what they're paying him to do. But That's his job. He has said, I think, on the record many times that, like, I want to win a 250 outdoor title. Like, he even said in Houston, I remember asking him, like, are you happy to be here in the 450s or would you rather be racing 250s? And he even said, I'd rather be in 250s. Like, I feel like 
I feel like if he wanted to, he could push Star to let him race in Indy. I definitely feel like that is at least a possibility. But I get the impression that he is obsessed with, I've got to get this outdoor title. And I would argue that winning this outdoor title on a 250 is not going to change anything in his life. Anything. I think it's a personal, I agree. I don't know if it's really going to change his path, but at the end of the day, that's what he's set out for goals for years to do. He's been close. Um, dealing with the foot injury last year, I think he knows he could have been closer in that title. He wants to try to win it. Again, that's his job. That is what the team has hired him to do. That is what they pay him to do. That has been his focus for years now. It's a goal he wants to get done. Whether mm. whether or not, again, me or you, you think it really affects the the outlook of, of his racer doesn't matter. It's what he cares about. I just, I feel like this is going to bite him in the ass because we're all, we're all hyped on Justin Cooper right now. But as we all know, you're only as good as your last race. And come two weeks time after Detroit, are we going to have other memories of what Justin Cooper has done here? Will they have faded? I think so. And I think we'll, he'll, we'll kind of forget he exists again. And I think that's the same for potential hires. I think anybody who's paying attention, like, no, I think at the the top level, the people who are interested in him are going to pay. Have, they've got what they need. They have the data they need. They'll know if they're going to hire him or not or what's worth it. I don't think him racing, especially finishing this on a high, I don't know if running around getting a couple more seven eights for a couple more rounds is going to change somebody's mind. It's in there right now going, man, I just want to see him do two more races before I offer him this contract. Okay. Running around in sixth and seventh may not change. If he kept going, I do not think it's unrealistic that he could finish fourth in a main event. Oh, I think he could get a fifth or a fourth for sure. But also at the same time, I don't know. I also don't know if that changes the conversation with who's already. We're talking, there's a lot in silly season that is moving right now for the 450s. I still don't know if that makes a difference. Here's a question. Mm-hmm. You are you are Max Lee. Mm-hmm. Are you signing Justin Barsha or Justin Cooper for 2024? It's not Max's decision. It's Troy's. Oh, okay, fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Troy likes Justin. Um, Performance-wise, which of the two would I pick at this point in their career? I if would, you were the team Justin manager, Cooper. who would you yeah, sign? I would take Justin Cooper. I would take Justin Cooper over Justin Barsha. I think I agree. Which is. I'm glad that you think that. I, uh, I, uh, I think I agree. Yeah, you're the one. That yeah. po- I would say you're the one that poses this question. You're struggling more. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have an answer. I, I was asking the oh. question. Um, Roxon seventh. You're going to get what you're going to get. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what next week brings. Um, like I said, the only note I have for him is I think he's the only guy that hit blitz the whoops every lap. <laughs> um, and actually, uh, did he not have the fastest time in the whoops in in that segment? He did. He did, but that's saying he blitzed every single lap. So I bet also his average is probably really freaking good. Where even even guys that had good segments in there went to jumping. I wouldn't be surprised if his average is really good. Because uh, I eighth. felt like he put down a lot. The story eighth on his average? No, eighth. R.J. Hampshire. Oh, R.J. Hampshire. Yes, the story of the evening. Um, were you surprised that he won the heat race? Yes, of course. Everyone was, wasn't they? Well, I mean, even after the start, like based on the first lap or two, like as it was even winding down, like were you thinking like, oh, he's got like, at what point did you actually believe that he had it is what I mean. The last lap. I I was waiting for him to get past up until the last lap or last 
two laps. Um, I still don't really understand how it happened, to be honest. I might need to go and rewatch that because when I sit here and think to myself, oh yeah, RJ just fended off Cooper Webb for an entire heat race. I'm like, mm, there must have been more to it. But it really wasn't. Yeah, because he had Coop. Chase was buried a little bit back. It was Coop, and then who was right behind Coop? There was somebody... Uh, I right can't remember. Was it was it was person. the most stacked heat race. Yeah. Chase was in there. Uh, I can't remember who the others were, though. Um, it was so, so stacked that we don't remember. So, I think it's time for RJ to give up on 250s. He's given it a good go. It's clearly not working out. So let's move on to something new and give this 450 thing a try. Yeah? Oh, I I agree. I hit him with that. If uh, I kind of hit him with the, the GPS question or GPS-esque question of 250 guys, you know, bump up sometimes out winning titles. Like, does this change your mind, change your thought at all? He's one of the guys that still has that I, I have a job to get done style mentality. Um, but when I think of his riding style on the 250, I think a lot of situations why we see some really big wrecks at RJ is I think he overrides the bike a lot of times. I you hear that old adage from 450 or 250 guys, oh, I ride a 450 better. I ride a 450 better. And I think RJ might actually fall truly in that category. Um, again, I think there's a lot of situations where I think he just needs more power. I, I think he overrides the 250. And it's what gets him in trouble. Um, and again, just change of scenery, change of just quit overriding a 250, getting hurt and trying to rebound and become a title guy. I just... Yeah, I think at some point, I think at this point, someone needs to save him from himself and kind of like, I understand that it would be difficult to let go of a dream. Um, and obviously winning the 250 title is a dream because realistically, RJ is never going to win a 450 title. So the 250 title is maybe the only title he can ever win in his career. So I understand that it would be very hard to let go of that dream. But I think he's had 53 starts in 250s. Um, one win. No real championship runs where he's been in it until the last round last two rounds or whatever so what and it sounds harsh but what is there to make us think or make austria think that that's going to change in the coming years like he said in your post-race interview that austria made him uh, a two-year 250 contract a two uh, offer sorry and it, it just yep. makes me go like what like what what do they think is going to change like i don't i don't really understand like where the mentality is yeah, but I think also partially falls in the category of who are they going to replace him with. That And also, you could argue that, well, next year, Jet won't be in 250s. And if RJ is on the opposite coast to Hunter, then RJ is a favorite. You can definitely argue that. And I would yeah. I can't argue with that. Maybe next year is his best shot at getting a title. Um, but then... You can you can live by that ethos uh, your entire life and say next year's the year. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I would stamp it. So he said that his current offer is a two year two fifty deal with an option for a four fifty, which I'm sure that option is what we see very commonly is it's win some form of two fifty talent you get the four fifty. It doesn't mean the the four fifty is the third year deal. It probably says you have to win either any supercross or outdoor two fifty title in your two year contract and you get this four fifty deal. Um, he did make a joke about talking to Nate, uh, about, you know, about that deal. I, I don't know. One that I would think is again, if you kind of go off edge, oh, okay, jets out of class. Okay. Maybe, maybe you go to him and say, can I race one more year of two fifty? And I'm just committing that no matter how it goes, I move up. Can I get a four fifty deal for the second year of my contract? And maybe even we move up for outdoors next year, but we give Supercross one more go. If, if we get 
you know, get it dialed and let's just move on and close the chapter. Yeah, I think um, to think that RJ could spend another, like, to think that at the end of 2025, RJ is still in 250s, that seems like absurd to me. I mean, I know we've seen guys stay longer, but at that point, I'm just like, what, what are we doing? Um, well, speaking of stay longer, just as a comparison with Craig, like I'm looking at the heat race right now. Of course, RJ did not have the fastest lap time in his heat race. Webb was four tenths better. Sexton was almost a full second better. Uh, Christian Craig's lap, though, was a second and a half worse. I mean, not only RJ did great in the heat, the main was decent, but also stepped up and uh, beat his beat his teammate with, as he said, only a couple days on the bike. Two of them pretty miserable riding his 250 stuff. I think a day or two of riding decent to convince the team to let him go do it. And he just put it to Christian. Yeah, but we've seen it so many times where someone comes out and in their first race, they overperform and then it's hard to repeat that. Yeah. So in Christian's defense, that would be my defense for people who are getting on Christian. Like, um, think of how Christian did when he uh, moonlighted on a 450. He had a couple of fourths yeah. and things. So, yeah. um, and we've seen that time and time again, whether it's fill-in riders, 250 riders stepping up, blah, 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 whatever. It is... The first race is always a little different. And it was Daytona, so that's even more different. Yeah. What's to say that RJ won't crash out of Indy? Like, uh, no, it's almost true. like a completely I different think, test. I think what, what it brings up more to my mind is not... It's not as much a, a bag on Christian of, oh, he needs to step up. I think part of it is just, okay, he did very little testing, came in on a base setting, did good. You know, it, it to me, it just kind of removes maybe if Christian is still chasing stuff a little bit, maybe it could help remove some of that from his mind. Like, no, the bike's pretty good. Like, look what he went out and did. We all know that Christian can perform that level. No problem. I, I look at, you know, to me, Christian's riding capabilities are higher than RJ's in Supercross. He should be able to do that. Um, I just, when I um, bring up him being Christian, it's just more like, okay, maybe maybe change a little bit of perspective on what we're doing with, with the bike. Plessinger was ninth. There was no real reason for that other than he just wasn't comfortable. Um, so kind of just settled where he was. Uh, Craig 10th, as we mentioned. Wilson 11th, that's tied for his best result of the season, but he still hasn't got in the top 10, which is quite crazy to say, because obviously Dean is a top 10 rider, at least we know that. Um, Justin Hill 12th, he's quietly having a very good season. Shane McElrath has definitely stepped up. He is definitely heading in the right direction, which is a blessing, because... Let's not well, forget, one, it was bad for a while there. Yeah, but one, so, like, and I'm not, it's, it's Shane's best race, not trying to take that away from him. What was his best before this, a 15th, and we lost three guys before the race started? Like, it, it's definitely better on paper, but I'd still be curious, like, is it really that much better? Or are we, are we no, still but kind of floating around in the same area? I'm not, I'm not talking result-wise. I'm saying previously, he was, he was no better than Starling, Harlan, Nora. Like, he was in that privateer group. I feel like he's at least elevated himself to where he's kind of in no man's land between the Wilson-Justin Hill group and the privateers. Agreed? Okay. Mm, I gotta go. I didn't look at the, the splits because I just look back and it's like Harlan's right behind him. I don't know on the split. When I say that, I don't mean physically right behind him. I'd have to look at the, the splits, but that's what I'm saying is we lost a couple guys and it moved up. I don't know if he had really removed himself from that group by that much compared to prior rounds. 
But even, as I say, though, like previously he was not at the top of that group. He was just in the midst. Yeah. So at least he's kind of, the cream has risen to the crop of the privateer group somewhat. Um, speaking of Harlan, who was right behind him in 14th, great ride for him. Uh, Josh Hill, 15th. Benny Bloss, 16th. And then the rest of the privateers. A lot of Kawasaki's in from 17th to 22nd. Kawasaki pays the best contingency. Well, that's, that's what they get. I hope that um, Mr. Kawasaki is stoked on that. Because there's not a lot for Kawasaki to be stoked about right now. (laughs) Well, that was so harsh this week. You um, you probably saw the meme that where they did the photo shoot this year, where it was Jason AC in the front, and it kind of spreads out behind them all the 250 guys on the whoops, and somebody photoshopped it with everybody. Yo, they took that photo, and then they photoshopped everybody out of it, but Jason sitting on the whoops. And it's not like Jason's killing it. Like if you if you said if you showed someone that photo at the start of the year and went, but. Jason's battling for the 450 title, but you'd go, ah, okay, it's not that bad. If you show someone that photo at the beginning of the year where but Jason is struggling to do what he did last year, you'd go, eek. Well, the one that I felt bad is, so you go to the garages. Um, a lot of the teams will do it where if it's like a big operation, um, the 250s and 450s have a garage that back up together and they'll kind of share the area. So like you have the Honda area full right now. They had four guys racing. They had Phoenix next to them with four guys. Their little hospitality areas were full stars, nice and full. Um, the KTM groups have a lot going on. You get to the Cali area and it's Bloss's bike, Anderson's bike, workbenches. That's it. Like one cooler, a couple random chairs. It had a very lonely feel over there kind of in general, just like just a little glimpse of kind of how the year is going. It was a bummer to walk by and see. I was like, man, I, I really feel for everybody on these, you know, not just the riders, but everybody on both these teams. It is not a fun. It's hard. It's hard. Pour a monster energy out for the Kawasaki guys. Um, yeah. On to 250s. Again, not the greatest 250 race. Um, Hunter, Hunter had things under control from early on, but... Max did give him more of a run than, again, I think people are giving him credit for. The gap was three to four seconds for the entire main event. And there were points where Max did uh, cut it down. And truthfully, um, going back to what we were talking about at the top, Hunter was skimming the whoops for like 90% of the main event. Max was jumping. And even in 250s, that was worth eight or nine tenths a lap. So I don't know if Max had started skimming. Maybe we would have had a race on our hands. Obviously, if some butts were candy and nuts, we'd all be something, something. But yeah. One big one I got to say, because we talked about this a little bit last weekend, the round before. Big prop, not only to Max, but also the team. Um, because of them overheating one of the earlier rounds, I was a little concerned because we all know Max, like if you take this situation, his outdoor skills, you would automatically think, okay, Max should perform better at this race. But I was kind of worried on the bike side, like, okay, is that going to negate it a little bit? They seem to be super solid all day. If anything, I actually saw Chance's bike was cooking at one point during the main. Um, I saw a few other 250s, and everything seemed to be good with with Max and his program. Yeah, and they um they really came in clutch main event time because they had some upgrades that were working, then or they thought were working, but then weren't as good as they thought, and that's why the heat race wasn't as great. Um, they were kind of chasing their tail a little bit and trying to find a sweet spot with everything they had. Um, and in the main event, I think they just reverted back to the setup that they had at MTF in the middle of the week, and Max was back to normal. Um, it will be, it will be a, um, it's a cool story what Max is doing, and it will be a bummer if he doesn't get a win this year because I feel like that will be the culmination of this quite cool story. That's and a, like you say, a cool story for Max, who's had 
a very unique career, a cool story for the team, which is a very unique team. <laughs> um, yeah, if he can get a win, that'll just be a nice, a nice culmination of the story. One uh, before we go any far, it's kind of a backtrack talking about <clears throat> about Hunter. What about the moment with Rasher? What's your opinion? Hunter is getting a little bit of a reputation. I That's feel. Well, about to ask, yeah. Um, and I think the comments off the track don't help that reputation. Not that he's like, um, it's trash talking dirty. people. It's just, yeah, it's not, it's not dirty. It's just, is, is Hunter a little, is he, is he leaning a little bit towards a little bit aggressive, a little bit, especially for early race stuff. Yeah. Almost like a little, you could almost say like a little, it's, it's a little cocky. Yeah. Like a little, like, like move out of my way. Um, kind of thing. Well, I guess that's, but then again, you've got to have that mentality. I, guess. I don't know, oh, yeah. but that's um, just, it's a balancing point. Like you say, oh, you're just going to roll over and let everybody have it. But at the same time, that's what I'm saying. Like, are we, are we riding the line? Are we leaning a little either way? Like there's, and I think there's also like, there's our perception, then there's public perception. That's what I'm, I'm kind of getting at is where, where do you think he falls right now? Do you think he's, he's on the fence or do you think he's starting to lean one way in people's eyes? Well, he's definitely not as loved as Jet. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can stamp that. Um, yeah, I think, I think, I think he's got to be careful because I think the a few more of those incidents, then the public perception could change somewhat. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, just a few things I hear in like podium interviews and stuff that make me raise my eyebrows a little bit. I don't know. Um, do you think that going back to the disrespect thing, are we giving Max the credit he deserves? Because this kind of reinforced like this. This kind of reinforces that actually what happened in Tampa, what happened in Houston, um, they were for real. And I feel like maybe people were still questioning that, even though he was second in points. I think he's been getting fair amount of credit, maybe <clears throat> make argue a little bit more. I don't think he's been too looked down on, especially after he's backed up once. Um, I think potentially what could help bring up the credit, even though even if the final result wasn't different, if he you know, like say Daytona, if he got out and let us let a couple laps or so, I think it would from a public perception side, I think would bump up a little bit. I, I think we've been pretty fair on it. Um, again, like what you said, I, I'm still sitting here struggling because I, I'm wondering right now, do I see Max win a main first or do I see And this is gonna, this is not me saying it's going to happen again. I'm just using an example. Do we see Hayden Deegan win first? I think well, I lean towards to your first see, point. I lean towards we see Max first, but I think if you, most public perception, if we're talking about credit, most people would go, "Oh, Hayden Deegan will win a, a main before Max." Um, to your first point, he did actually take the whole shot in Daytona, but then promptly rode straight yeah. into a tough block. I would have been interested <laughs> to see what happened had he um, gotten yeah. through that first first section clean and li been leading. Um, obviously, as we say, he was losing time in the whoops, but maybe he would have latched onto that soon. I don't know. Um, again, if, if some butts were candy or nuts. Um, yeah, it would have been interesting to see what he would have done had he actually got the whole shot, because we haven't seen that yet. Um, and yeah, well, I was, gonna, I was actually going to ask you that question of who else wins a main event? Like, does Hunter win out? Is Max most likely to steal a win? Is Jordan Smith? Is, I think, I think okay Nate's already Thrash has already got one so put him out of the conversation I think Max Deegan and Smith are the only other potential winners this year yeah because uh, the only and it was a beyond a stretch because of where he's been out of the season 
I could have seen like the a smallest amount of argument. Oh, maybe we get to Daytona and, and J Mark could be there. Um, I think there's still too much gap that he has to to improve on to get to that point. Um, right now, um, on if the most likely, I think all three of them, none of the three would surprise me if they'd win. I do have to say at the moment, I think Hayden is the least likely of the three. I could see potent. I again, I give them all percentage. Partially because Hayden's results so far have, again, been so consistency-based. He hasn't had the outright speed a lot of the nights. Um, he's just putting together really solid races. It's been a great experience for him. Um, I think that's all really good. Jordan has, the, I think, the most outright th- speed of the three. So if you give me the most likely three, I, I could see Jordan having one or two more bad rounds and then pulling out a win. Uh, absolutely win on Shockman. I think he is the most likely to win. And I give Max, I put Max a little bit behind that on the the most likely to win category. I was thinking earlier, um, Max is doing very well in 250 East. And let's be honest, World Supercross is not going to be as challenging as this at all. So this puts him in good uh, good stead, is that the same? Puts him in good steed, is I, that the same? Uh, for World I Supercross. Would, I think so, because Shane's been moonlighting on the 450, is going to have to get back on the Yamaha 250, figure, you know, maybe put a little confidence back together. Max is racing a bike that he's going to take to that series. The bike's getting better. He's getting better. Um, this is really, really helping him in in that sense. Uh, all I've got to say about Deegan is I was, I I hadn't bought into the hype before he turned pro. Um, I'd never watched a vlog. I I wasn't. I just wasn't really there. I was kind of like eh. But um, his post race interviews, his riding, his speed, his composure—like I'm all in. He's um, he's won me over through four rounds, and even the podium is just a cherry on top of the cake. Um, I think he is the real deal. And next year, what we going back to what we said about RJ and how Jet moving out of the class, maybe next year he's a favorite. People like Deegan are only going to get better, and that's going to continuously make it harder for RJ to get this thing done. No, exactly, and. I think the big thing is Deegan has been really smart so far for Daytona. You know, he say finally kind of wicked it up where he talked about the prior round sort of just kind of putting in the laps. He's learning and building such a base right now to race Supercross. Um, even if he doesn't, let's say he finishes out this East Coast without getting a win. By the time we get to East Coast or West Coast, wherever, whatever coast he races next year, 100% I'm staying there going, he's going to get, not only do I think he would get his first win next year if he doesn't get it this year, I would be completely sold on the idea of him getting multiple race wins in his second season. Um, there's just something oh. about if he kind of continues this path, it's like, again, I'm saying if he doesn't get a win this season, by the next year, I'm still like, nope, this kid has done everything right to put himself in this position. Uh, Jordan Smith was fourth. Jeremy Martin, fifth. Question on Martin. Oh, re- real quick, real quick. Who uh, We asked the the win one. What's your, on the, the three of them, the most likely to least likely to get the win? Uh, Max, no... Yeah, Max Jordan Hayden. Okay. Which I think is similar to yours, except you had Smith first. Yep. Um, so this this has been a quiet season for Martin. Obvious we know he had high expectations for Daytona. Um, we know that he's riding well in a week. Is and we know that also he really wants the outdoor title. Is what's happening in Supercross, do you think he's this is hurting his confidence for outdoors and maybe maybe just getting him a little bit worried? I the bit I know about Jeremy, I kind of want to say no. I think I think he believes in himself so much with his outdoor talent. Um, this is a rebuilding process for him. I think the fact that he's getting through races is actually a positive. I think he can take away positives from this. Um, 
if he starts to do a little worse than this, I could see it hurting him. But if he kind of just continues where he is, maybe maybe gets a little bit better. I, I don't know. I don't I, I don't freak out too much. I don't hit the panic button for outdoors. Again, I think he's done this long enough. And based on what I when I talked to him, he knows how fast he can go outdoors. He from everything I've talked to him about, I think he truly believes in himself. And I, I don't know if much of that would be wavered. Uh, Heimer again, sixth. If it, oh. if it goes worse, maybe. But he- Heimer sixth, and I have no idea why he's stopping. No idea. Just because this, and and I, you know, I disagree with it a little bit. This was their original plan. I guess they're sticking to it. Um, I I guess you know I'm looking at right now Deegan's situation. He's going out there. He's getting the experience. He's logging the laps. <clears throat> Chance was doing the same, but I I kind of don't like them pulling him off. Especially me and you talked about this before the call. I'll let you talk about is. is even if you were pulling him out as this exact race, he just had his best race of the season. He's not crashing. He's not throwing it away. I get it. that There's that worry of, Oh, we need to get him to outdoors healthy. We need to focus on that. But I think he's just doing everything right to, to get the experience. And I think a couple more weeks would be a positive. Yeah. It, it just doesn't make sense with the calendar because we got like, okay, we've got East this weekend and then East the weekend after, and then East have three weeks off a month off. So it okay. Take him to Detroit and then say, look, there's a month off, so let's just go for outdoors now. Like, you've basically done a full season anyway. You've done six rounds. That's close enough. Um, let's yeah, just switch six. the focus. But, like, he is like ready for Indianapolis. Are... Yeah, and again, like you said, those six races, even though it's not a full season, it kind of feels like because they're so back-to-back, I would love to see him do Indy and Detroit. I just and you and you mentioned there that oh we've got to have you ready for outdoors. Well, Hunter is their title guy outdoors. So like I'm not being like I'm not being funny, but if Hymas gets hurt in Detroit, Honda's hopes of winning the outdoor title are perfectly intact still with Hunter. Yeah, so like it, no, it has nothing to do with him. It's just I think they're focused more on his, it's his long term path. Of course, it's they want him to be more. Com- I think you know they have higher hopes for outdoors competitiveness than they do for Supercross. You know, I, I'm just guessing here. I'm guessing they, you know, are hoping to see him inside the top five and closer to podiums. Um, so they want to be prepared for that. But to your point, with with him and Hunter on the same coast, with Jet racing a 450 outdoors, Jet's break here has been testing the 450. I'm kind of wondering, like, does Hymas getting on outdoors two weeks before Hunter is going to as well? Does that really change anything? Or do you just kind of go, okay, let's follow Hunter through the last bit of East, and then we'll put you both on outdoors and start testing with you at the same time? Is there must much of an advantage to to be gained there dropping out two weeks earlier? It it just makes no sense to me. But I guess we are not as smart as the powers that be. So that is a situation. Um Chris Blow seventh, again, a slight improvement, but not where I'm sure he dreamed of being. Yeah, he went down in the main. Um there was actually a couple of those I forgot. J Mart went down. I think in the main at one point, um, Blos went down in the main in the sand section. Uh, his heat race was a lot better. His qualifying was better. He's not much of a, I mean, he hasn't raced outdoors, I don't know, in eight years or something like that. Um, definitely a round for him. I didn't expect like big gains out of, I think the, the gains he had were definitely meaningful, but also not shocking that, you know, maybe he wasn't able to step it up a little more. Speaking of shocking, uh, Cody shock. Boy. Good. Uh, yeah. Well, can we talk about that? Of course, can we talk about? always down if, if you would like to have a personal chat with your boy, as you so put it, may I request that you do that away from the microphone interview? Because I was very confused with what I was listening to. 
There was talk oh, of man. racing with dad, and I was like, dad? Yeah, is his dad out there? Blow. <laughs> no, Blows, because that's the first year I had the team they raced here, and he kept calling Blows dad. And they confused. were ch- he was chasing him around the whole main. Sorry, I have a connection with somebody. I'm oh, sorry, chasing. somebody not named Chase. I'm sorry. He was chasing him. Around, well, you did just say he was chasing him around in the main, so that makes me happy. Oh, uh, you heard those words, and you got you're okay now again. Um, good job for Colin Park as well. He actually was battling for sixth with Moseman. Sixth with Jay Mart and went. Oh yeah, sorry, it was the Moseman thing. I think that ended up. Yeah. Did Moseman take him down or something? Because yeah, he mentioned getting taken down, and he's also. He has not ridden during the week at all. He's riding with a level three separated, um, I think it's AC joint shoulder. Um, so to hang in there in six rougher track, pretty good. Yeah, I like um, I like I like what I've seen recently. Um, and I'm I'm intrigued to see where this goes. Um, yeah, count me as count me as impressed by Cullen Park. Uh, Nate Frasher tenth, and there goes his title hopes. Um, and the inconsistency yeah. is there still. Despite two consistent rounds in a row, um, his poor ACL because him getting back on the bike after his second crash looked like a man who had just been shot crawling for safety. Um, I'm actually intrigued to see whether, like, I would imagine that his knee is beaten up right now after that second crash. And I'm interested to see if that actually has any impact on the rest of his season. Yeah. I'm kind of worried about that. The long, long run is you know, if we've seen him icing, if we've seen him hobbling on it, like how much longer does it last? It's always a question mark. How much longer until this actually has to be fixed? Is it going to continue to be a problem? Does it ever get better? I think that if I'm Yamaha, what I saw in Daytona, two crashes, um, the second crash, as I say, visibly, you could see that his knee was jacked and like he was struggling to get up, struggling to get on the bike. It was all very slow. You could literally see him taking a breath for pain. I think if I'm Yamaha, what I saw in Daytona is enough for me to um, throw the towel and say, let's let's just like, let's get this thing fixed and look to the future. I'd be kind of curious if if he ends up skipping outdoors. I agree with you. If it's bad enough, just get done. But we know how riders are. They'll very rarely do that till it gets worse. But I guess we'll see in a few rounds. I have absolutely no memory of what kind of outdoor rider Nate Frasher is. No memory. Literally could not tell you anything. So please enlighten me. I'm having to bring up the results myself. Yes, I, I don't know what I don't know what's <laughs> happened. I literally have no memory. <laughs> Uh, last year, I'll give you the read going backwards from the final round. Ninth at Fox 2, 5th at Ironman, 6th at Bud's Creek, 9th at Unadilla, 9th at Washougal, 12th at Millville, 9th at Southwick, 10th Redbud, 10th High Point, 16th Thunder Valley, 13th Hangtown, 13th Fox Raceway 1. So right around top 10 guy. Can't well, that explains why I don't remember it. Talk about, ninth. talk about playing. Um, year before, yeah. only did a couple outdoors. 16, 13, 12, 17. Wow, actually, he's barely done any out. Yeah, he did a couple in 21, and then he got a season in in 22, and that's uh, that's about all the outdoors he's done. Hmm. Yeah, not good. Uh, it's hard to see a it's hard to see a situation where this gets better. Put it that way. Um, Marshall Welton, 11th, good for him. That's that's a nice result, nice ride. Um, I guess we should have expected him to be better at Daytona. Uh, Jeremy Hand, 12th, nice ride. Hardy Munoz. Loves Daytona. Got attacked by uh, Max Ancy's tough block in the first turn and stayed up. Um, so there is that. Michael Hicks, 14th. That is unexpected. Uh, Daytona especially, I feel. Um, I don't think anyone... 
don't think anyone had that circled as around where he was going to crush it. Uh, and 15th, Josiah Natsuki. As I've said before, that is a very cool story. Um, seems to need to work on his qualifying process, but I think that's his second main event and the first, a uh, lot better than the first one where I think he was 21st in Tampa. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, I like the Natsuki story. It would be very cool to see him actually do better than 15th because there's a career that um, has had some twists and turns and a lot of flights. Um, uh, Talon Hawkins as well, actually. I wanted to bring that up. I feel like the the trips to the LCQs, first of all, I don't know why that's happening frequently. Um, Especially because of how he rebounds for the mains. This is, well, this is what I mean. I feel like the way it's going is making people think that maybe this isn't very good, but actually I feel he's ridden very well. And again, uh, 18th in Daytona looks terrible, but before he crashed and tweaked the front end or got something caught in the front end or whatever happened, um, he was riding really well in like 6th and 7th. So this is like, this is really good. You've just got to kind of pay a bit of attention to realize that. Well, especially I, I've seen some comparisons between him, Hymas, and Deegan. Deegan and Hymas, this was the plan all along. Talon found out he was racing the first East race like four days before the first East, East race and got swapped over to the pro bike and wasn't really on the path in the program again that the other the other two rookies we talk about are on. So um, the final finishes may not show it, but I think it's actually been a pretty decent rookie uh, career, rookie run in Supercross for him considering all the circumstances as well. And you know what? Let's just say the same about Tom Vial. Gnarly crash at the beginning of the main event. Um, and again, you look at the result and you're like, oh, the rookie, he crashed out. But um, he's been doing well and he's fine. So we will see him live to fight another day, which is good. Um, and now, Michael Moserman. Oh, wow. His, his main so far, six, seven, seven, and now a 21. I would have never have guessed that preseason. I would think somewhere in these four races, there would be a win by now. There would be a, a win somewhere in the first four races for him. Well, imagine a podium, this. A couple podiums, some top fives. We haven't gotten any of those. After Houston, when we were after Houston, we were already saying, like, what the hell? This isn't good. If you told me that after Houston that that would be his season best result through four rounds, I would have been so confused as to what the hell has happened. Um, yeah. Disaster. I've said it. I think I've said it every week. Disaster. Um, he's okay after that crash in the main event. So that's positive. But aside from that, disaster. Absolute disaster. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know where we go for. I mean, we, we need to go up from here. I hope soon. It's not Hopefully. just a it's not just a crash and mistake thing. There's just no speed. Like there's no evidence that oh, but he can run with Hunter. There's like there's nothing there's been none of that where you're like, oh well, well, did you see that lap time? Did you see that heat race? Did you see that practice time? Um Yeah, I, I don't know where he goes from here, both in the series and career-wise, because this is a contract year and this this isn't this isn't good because it's not like up until now his career's been stellar. It's been good, but it's not like it's been it's not like it's been good enough where you can just write off what's happened this year because you're like, yeah, but he was amazing before. Um, yeah, I, I said it last week. I feel sorry for him because this must be he must be in a deep dark hole. Um, but I don't know how does he get out of that deep dark hole. I, all I can think is that 
once we get to Detroit and then there's a month break, that will give him a chance to reset and maybe that puts him back on the right track. But as of right now, I don't see this getting better uh, anytime soon. No, it's... um, I just have question marks. Lots of question marks. I, um... I um I actually had an idea about Austria's 250 program and I forget what it was. Oh, this is what I was going to say about Moseman. If you so Husky were going to have Swole in 250 East, not not like a championship guy. Then they've got Vial, who is a world champion but it's his rookie year in Supercross, so like whatever. Um across not only is Moseman kind of letting down Gas Gas across all Austrian manufacturers, he was the hope for 250 East. Like, this this is kind of a disaster in every way imaginable. Just to really just put the hammer in the coffin. If <laughs> felt like felt like we didn't we felt like we didn't underline the fact that this was a disaster enough. So just a additional um little point there. Uh right, that's everything. Any other points? I believe I have a disgruntled coworker. Oh yeah. I don't know if I've got the energy oh, yeah. to bring that up. Uh. <laughs> um, you made a right. big deal about it at the beginning of the show. Oh well, yeah, better. Um, you can't uh, leave that. You cannot leave the the people wanting. I better wake up then. Um, right, <laughs> the slander, sir. The slander. Um, I listened to your post race interview with a Mr. Chase Sexton. Great rider, by the way. I'm not sure if you noticed that. Um, incredible human, and. I was upset and alarmed that the first question did not start with a word. It started with a ugh. And I just feel that slander, sir. <laughs> I always start with a uh, or a uh, or something. This, well, this sounded like a negative ugh. Like you were disgusted with our ride. And I'd like to remind you, sir, also, this is quite the change in tone from last week where I was kicking you <laughs> off for sex and ship. I feel like we... Can we find a happy medium, please? <laughs> yeah, what do you want from me? This is like this is like Goldilocks. The first bed was too soft. The second bed was too hard. The third bed was just right. So Indianapolis, maybe we'll get it just right. <laughs> well, you're going to be depending on Jamie for that one. Um, is, ja- is Jamie allowed to speak with a Mr. Chase Sexton? I don't know. That Jamie guy is out of control. Um, he must be stopped. <laughs> um, yeah, just I feel that I'd like to remind you that third maintains our podium streak and maintains us as the rider with more trophies than anyone else in 2023. Sure. Just like to remind you of that because the sound that I heard at the beginning of the interview made me think that maybe you have forgotten that very important statistic. Sir. I was bummed for him. Well, I was, I was expressing that I felt where he was at. I feel like some positivity would have been welcomed in that scenario, sir. Okay, sir? What? Let me, let me, okay. I'd like to hear your positivity. How would you have opened the interview? Did you not hear the beginning of this show? The whoop speed, the line in the corner before the whoops. Um, hey. You would have been, I saw this rut, man. It wasn't your night. It wasn't your. Uh, it wasn't your night. But hey, you salvaged the third, and you're getting out of here with another trophy, podium streak intact. Bravo, sir. Would have been my. Would have been the first. Que- would have what I would have liked to have seen as the first question in that instance. With the with well, the round of applause, you, that would have made me especially well, happy. 
if somebody was here doing their job, then they could hear that. Yeah, you'll, I'll see. I'll see you shortly. Um, <laughs> just didn't. Just the ugh. That was all. I, uh, ugh. Maybe I made a bigger. Maybe I made too big a deal of it because I don't I'm really have much kinda, else to say. I'm actually a little bit disappointed. I thought there was more to this. I yeah, I didn't really. really I thought. For, mm-hmm. well, I was trying. I wanted to make it funnier, but I, I've kind of lost energy. <laughs> You're disappointed in me. I'm equally disappointed in you. This just did not go where I was expecting. Well, crucially, crucially, it sounded like you were disappointed in Chase, which I didn't like. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, uh, what else? Uh, okay, okay, let me I'm think. Su- I'm surprised I didn't receive a formal letter over this. What else am I? Do you want me to be mad about something else? Um, let me think. Oh, do you have anything else? There to was be no mad Bobo. About? That was sad. Um, <laughs> no, he was there. He was walking around. Oh, Bobo raced yesterday and today, didn't he? He was doing the amateur Supercross. Was he? Yes. Oh yeah, he is. Uh, I haven't even looked at the results. I'm disappointed in the world. Um, to escalate this from just a you specific thing, uh, um, <laughs> because people people seem to see Bobo as an act of aggression, which what is, is not it supposed to be. Well, actually, no. This comes back to you because you started this. You heard the reason why I called him Bobo, and now you are you are making the comparison to a clown. That's what most people do. Because no. they think of Bobo the Clown. I'd never heard of Bobo the Clown, and I googled it, and all the photos of him are black and white, which tells me that he's irrelevant. <laughs> uh, again, asking you anything about pop culture, history, anything about TV shows, anything, just irrelevant, sir. Well, that, um, uh, yeah, I also don't like that. Because I'm getting I'm getting tarred with a brush that I show I do not want to be tarred with. Also, with this, people seem to think I'm a Tomac hater. Not happy about that either. Um, you were very positive about Eli tonight. I'll give you that. Yeah, because I called it as I see it, and you know what? He was terrible in the whoop, so I'm going to say that. But also, what a clutch performance to pull it out after a rough day, and I'm going to say that. I'm going to call it as I see it. I'm going to call it as I see it. And on that note, um. And on that bombshell, I guess it's time to wrap up. Any final thoughts? Nope. Onwards and upwards. And that was a very honest, that was a very um uh low energy way to end the podcast. But uh, there we go. That's what, um, that's what you're here for. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you to Decal Works for supporting this podcast as well as as well as all of the post-race interviews on Vital MX. Um we thank them for their support. And we thank you people for shopping with Decal Works. You won't regret it. I can vouch for that myself. Um, and so can Cooper Webb. So trust me and trust Cooper Webb. I don't see who else you'd want to trust on this planet, apart from us two. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk Indianapolis round nine. So we will officially breach for halfway mark. This thing is going down to the wire and we will talk about it all next week. But in the meantime, stay tuned to vitalmx.com for a lot more content from Daytona, some opinions, some YouTube videos, some words, some photos, just just a whole lot of everything. But for now, we will see you next week.